Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Blog Bitch Repeat. I am your host, Renee, and we are going all in on Loki episode two, and it starts in Wisconsin, 1985. Before I actually get into it, let me just say, this is kind of going to be like a little quick beat for beat uh, episodic recap, uh, so there will be spoilers involved. Uh, I will also give my opinion on certain things that I liked and some of the things that I was like, oh, um, but yeah, spoiler, aware, spoiler uh, alert beware. You have been warned. So it starts off in Wisconsin of 1980, in 1985. The TVA is hunting down the Loki variant at a medieval uh, time bear, which there's a comedic moment where they're like running through this one. This one um, woman is dressed as a maiden and she basically says, hey, you guys aren't even in costume. Some of us need this. I thought it was just really funny. Uh, you know, it's a throwaway line and, and, it's a, and it's a throwaway character, but I don't know. It, was, it just made me laugh, even though I'm sure certain people just walk past it. Like, yeah, it is what it is. Um, variant Loki essentially pulls a Wanda and hypnotizes uh, Hunter C-20, who is the captain of this TVA squadron, uh, who, you know, hypnotized Hunter C-20, basically knocks down her team in a trance. Variant Loki takes the reset charge and takes Hunter C-20 as hostage. So a lot happening in, to start off this episode. Um, you know, we ended off episode one with the fact that there is, you know, the 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 villain, I guess, of the show that we're kind of shaping up to be. Because it's always, with Marvel, they always change it and they're like, hey, it's actually not this, uh, this, this person who's the villain. But the person who we're shaping out to be the villain of the show of Loki is Loki himself. Uh, or version of Loki. Uh, so, you know, with that in mind, we really, st we start off strong with showcasing variant Loki and, you know, the threat that they loot, that they uh, loom over the show and how, you know, capable they are and how different they can be, right? Because we haven't seen Loki utilize this power of hypnosis. Um, so it's nice that while it is Loki, that they are differentiating the two and they are saying like, yeah, there is a line between the two of them and that they will differentiate, even though they are technically the same entity. So I did, I did, I did like that. Um, and then we go to the title card and then there's this hilarious opening um, moment with uh, Miss Minutes and Loki. They're basically doing a study session. Loki is, you know, he's bored. He's looking at jet ski, a jet ski magazine that uh, Mobius has at his desk. <clears throat> Miss Minutes basically tells him, like, you have to take this seriously and starts to quiz him. He basically asks her, hey, are you recording this? Like, what, like you know, like, what do you get out of this? Tries to poke and prod her. She says that that's not nice. Where are his manners? Just a small, you know, funny kind of little comedic moment to kind of take us out of, you know, the seriousness that was that opening act. Um, but yeah, I, I like it. And again, Tara Strong. Tara Strong does such fantastic voice work. Uh, the fact that she voices so many characters and she's able to differentiate them so much. I mean, talent. Pure talent. Um, we go into Loki and Mobius. They basically have a... Uh, a little rendezvous, I guess. Hunter B-15 is also there, and she basically continues to clash heads with Loki. She doesn't trust Loki. Uh, she thinks that Loki is, uh, you know, a threat. But at the same time, she also doesn't take Loki all that seriously. And there's some foreshadowing there uh, that Loki kind of brings up uh, later on in the episode, which I actually really did appreciate. Uh, different variations of Loki are shown as they kind of all have this little rendezvous with one another. They're, they kind of talk about, like, the different variants of Loki and how, you know... Loki has taken different shapes during the years, and it could be any one of them. Um, so it's, it's an interesting thing. And also, really cool, because some of them that they showed were actually straight from the comics. 
Um, there was one where it was literally lo- where it was literally Tom Hiddleston on the set of Thor Ragnarok, uh, and Marvel just basically photoshopped it. I think it was the one where he looked like he was uh, an athlete. I look, it looked like he was a soccer player or something, but it was the one where he was an athlete and he had like a looks like he had like a trophy in his arm. That was essentially a photoshopped image of T- Tom Hiddleston literally on the set of Thor Ragnarok. So that was pretty funny. But the other ones were literally straight from the comics and different iterations of, of the Loki character. So kudos, kudos to them being able to utilize it. Um, Loki gets upset over the TVA's lack of understanding of duplication versus illusion casting. And he gets, and he basically schools them into which Mobius calls him, you know, Professor Loki. Uh, but Mobius also tells him to take a breath. This episode does a really good job of highlighting and showcasing the, uh, the dynamic and overall chemistry between these two characters. Like ep- the pilot episode of any series will always be, you know, the pilot episode. It's a lot of setup. Uh, it's a lot of introduction. Uh, so to see this so quickly, the dynamic that these two are going to share with, you know, the next four episodes and, you know, next season, because Loki, Loki is confirmed to have a season two, um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, and I really appreciate it. And Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston, they just gel with each other so well. So I like it. Uh, Loki, Mobius, and TVA head to Wisconsin, where they <laughs> where the TVA basically quiz Loki about, you know, his knowledge of... of uh, of the TVA and his knowledge of, you know, the reset charges and whatnot, because he was studying with Miss Minutes. They hope that he knows the basics. And he does. He knows. But, he, but he's also incredibly bored by it. Um, when we get to the crime scene where, you know, we had the t- former TVA agents who were, you know, basically knocked out by C-20. Loki basically, uh, I don't want to say he pulls like a Lucifer, but he basically just does what any true crime show would do, I guess. Like, you know, he scopes it out, tells them to wait, and then he goes into this big monologue. But in this monologue, he compares the TVA to Asgardians, you know, people who are incredibly powerful uh, and believe themselves to be all-powerful, but at the same time, they're incredibly naive. He brings up this thing from his childhood where there was a phrase, you know, uh, beware the the teeth, but he's just like, my ears were always sharper than, than my teeth. Um... And he basically said that, you know, when you when you underestimate someone, they're the ones who typically devour you. And he basically states that's what happened with Asgard. And he's looking at Hunter B-15 while he's saying this. And I think it's telling because Hunter B-15, while understandably so, why she would have her, while she would have her reservations on Loki and while she, why, why she isn't as trusting as, you know, or, or I guess forgiving of her time as Mobius is with Loki, um... She, I, I feel like it's interesting that, yeah, it's almost like she's completely overlooking Loki. Like, yes, the TVA has a lot of power that, that is obviously, you know, evident of episode one when we saw the Infinity Stones literally used as paperweights and, and you know, in the TVA's uh, administrative staff's office, I guess. Um, so, yes, it's evident that the TVA is incredibly powerful. When they're in the TVA, magical powers does not work. That's why the Infinity Stones wouldn't work. But outside... Outside, you know, there's there's no there's no way for them to basically cap it, uh, which is why variant Loki was able to you know hypnotize this TVA the the first TVA team and do what they did against the TVA, and I think it's telling that you know the T, the TVA and especially someone like Hunter B15 would basically like look down and be like it's just Loki though 
it's just Loki. Like we, like, like he's nothing. Like there's, there's nothing to worry about. And Loki, our Loki, basically looking at her and looking at the TV in general and being like, if you keep continue to underestimate people, um, and you know, basically downplay them, they, they will surprise you and in the worst of ways, and it'll be at your own peril. Um, and I think it's, I think it's, a, I think it's telling. I think it's a good foreshadowing moment for what happens later in the episode. But obviously, I think for what's going to happen within their overall arc between the two of them because i do think that there will be there will be a moment between him and b15 um where they basically finally come to amends or come to a, a mutual understanding uh but right now there is that rift and for both both for both parties have understandable reasons uh you know to stand where they do but it's just i do understand where loki is also looking at her like you can't underestimate me too much though um sorry i'm just trying to find here loki basically says it's a whole the whole situation is a trap and that you know, he also goes into this whole thing how you know the variant loki wants to find him and wants to team up and you know but that's not what he wants he wants he wants to you know dedicate himself to the sacred timeline it's just this comedic thing uh and he basically tells mobius like i need a council with the secret timekeepers because you know they're in danger and mobius basically calls it quits he's just like this he wasted our time this whole speech was for nothing let's move on and they reset. Uh, they reset the timeline, and you—it's cool when you when they reset the timeline because we actually get to see from the TVA what it would look like when you reset uh, the timeline, like this, like you know, fractured branch, I guess, if you will, because we get to see it revert to its original self. We get to see it almost go from a stasis of peril to a stasis of calm. So it's really—it's a really interesting uh, concept, and I actually like the visualization of it. As simple as it is, because it's literally just a, like you know a curvy line being our timeline and then something goes wrong, there's a spike, something goes, you know, you're able to settle it or, you know, uh, make it, uh, correct its path. It basically just gets cut off and all is well. It's very simple, but it's, it's still a nice visualiz visualization uh, and simplification of, you know, the overall process and purpose of the TPA. Uh, Loki and the judge have, uh, sorry. Uh... Mobius and the judge, played by Gugu Mbathu, have a conversation about Loki and how Mobius has an obsession with broken things. Uh, basically states that, you know, this is this is Mobius' last chance with this Loki. Uh, which is interesting because it's, it's basically alluding to the fact that, yes, Loki has been told straight up, like, hey, if you mess this up, this is your last chance. But it is interesting that they're also telling this, like, to Mobius, like, hey, like, this is your last chance with this dude. Like... Everyone in the TVA seems to be questioning Mobius in terms of like, why are you so invested in giving this like this man the opportunity to you know to do anything, uh, and like why does he have to be involved? Um, so to have someone in power and to have these people basically be like, hey, yeah, same thing that we told him stands, and we're letting you know like nothing's gonna happen to Mobius in the fact that they're gonna reset him, but I think it's telling that they're telling him like this is your last chance, like you need to understand that this that he is an insurance liability um, and as much as you want this we can't do much if he if he goes out of line to which mobius leaves and he basically challenges loki to change which i think is you know we've seen multiple characters in the mcu uh thor especially uh, have this conversation with with loki in terms of you know growth and, and and you know how if you keep reverting especially ragnarok if you keep reverting to your old ways it just gets you know tiring and if you're not growing what's the point so, you know, not a conversation we haven't seen with Loki before, but uh, just a different perspective from Mobius' uh, character, for sure. 
Uh, Mobius puts Loki to work in sifting through the variant case files and hoping to find a lead. It leads to an incredibly funny moment where Loki basically, you know, has to talk to, I'm assuming, the librarian of the TVA. She's basically, you know, the, the keeper of information, similar to, uh, reminding me of uh, Attack of the Clones, where Obi-Wan is looking for, you know, uh, case files on Kamino, and, you know, I'm forgetting what the, what, what that woman's name was, but, where she basically tells him, like, well, if it doesn't exist, it doesn't exist, and he's just like, that can't be right. Uh, so just me, it reminded me of that, but but it's just I don't know. It was really it was a really comedic bit, which he's basically when he's basically like, I want the files on the TVA, can't have them. I want the files on the beginning of time, can't have them. Can I have the, the files uh, at the end of time? No. What files can he have? Loki can have files pertaining to Loki, and that's basically it. Um, but in that, Loki sees the destruction of Asgard. He sees the paperwork for the destru destruction of Asgard classifying it as a class seven apocalypse now there is a moment where he looks incredibly emotionally distraught like casualties was like seven thousand plus which i thought was actually a small number but is what it is but there is a moment where loki kind of has a, a moment of pause and he like almost a moment of grief because it's like again the show is a reflection of loki in a sense right like the first episode was literally hey everything that you've done your whole chase for the tesseract your whole chase for power kind of meaningless uh because this is how it was always going to play out for you uh, so to have, you know, Loki look at this paperwork basically being like, hey, you know, you wanted to rule Asgard, you wanted to destroy Asgard at one point in time. Yeah, it's destroyed. Um, and have him have that moment, like that epiphany moment of like, wow, like this just further, you know, solidifies that nail in the coffin for me. Uh, I think it was incredibly telling uh, and, and fantastic uh, acting on, on Tom Hiddleston's part, because, again, it was just so subtle and it was all... It was all pure facial. It wasn't like him saying anything or gasping for air or anything like that. It was literally just a subtle, you know, flick of the switch in terms of his facial expression that told it all. So I appreciated it. I do like that it said Class 7 Apocalypse just because it reminded me of uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, where, you know, they had the classifications of different levels where, you know, Coulson was level 7 and, you know, that, that, was, that seemed to be the top of it all where you would have basically access to all the classifications. And if you weren't level seven, well, that sucked to be you. So I, I don't know. I don't think that was the intention, but just for me as a, uh, as an agent just sealed early on fan, I just remember being like, oh yeah, that that's kind of cool. Um, Loki, but sorry. So Loki in define in looking at this, this paperwork basically finds out and has a theory that variant Loki could be hiding in apocalyptic events uh, due to the fact that during apocalyptic events, nothing really matters because that timeline would essentially be, you know, uh, cut off. It, it, that's the end point. So nothing could really affect the future because of the fact that the end is inevitable. Uh, no pun intended. It's endgame. Um, you know, Ragnarok was endgame. Um, uh, Pompeii was inevitable and that was endgame. Like there's no, there's no changing the circumstances around that. So he has a hilarious metaphor where he basically runs in to the cafeteria, finds Mobius, steals Mobius' salad. Mobius is hungry. He just wanted to eat. Uh, and he basically uh, starts throwing in, you know, his, his, his own spin on his metaphor being like, you know, this is me throwing the Hulk off the rainbow bridge. He's throwing in salt. Or this is me burning the palace. Puts in a little bit of pepper uh, to which he's just like, but none of it matters. He's just like, because the end result is still the same. Ragnarok still happens. Searcher still does what Searcher does. Uh, you know, Mobius thinks it's a cute theory. Loki tells him, hey, you know what? You don't have to trust me 
but trust that I know, trust that I love to be right, which I think is a great little line from Loki. And I think it's great because it's just like, it's not out of character. You know what I mean? I think Loki is aware. It's, he's a hard person to trust, uh, rightfully so. But I think him saying, I love being right, is accurate. I think us as an audience and, you know, those in the MCU uh, as characters would agree and be like, you know, as much as I can't trust him as a person, um, I can trust that what he's saying right now where he wants to be right is, is accurate because he loves he loves to gloat. Um, so Mobius basically takes him to Pompeii where Loki speaks, you know, uh, Latin. Uh, he frees goats and he makes a show to the villagers to prove that nothing goes out of the ordinary with him doing so, to which, you know, Mor uh, Mobius basically comes to him and tells him, yeah, you're right, like nothing went amiss. There was no anomalies within the time within the, the timeline. TVA got no hits on this, no notifications. Like you literally told these people that they were going to die uh, and that we were from the future and that, you know, we were like from the TVA, like literally told them <laughs> basically the truth uh, and nothing happened from it because of the fact that this apocalyptic event, this nexus event, uh, was so chaotic in its nature that nothing could have really spinned it out, you know, much further. Um, to which Mobius basically goes, oh yeah, like, like Loki is legitimately telling the truth. Like there is, there is no changing uh, the circumstances here. Uh, and because of that, he's probably right about Varian Loki hiding in apocalyptic events. Uh, so it's just, it's a really cool thing. Again, it, it goes into how the two of them are slowly finding, you know, their footing with one another. Like, yes, Mobius is very hesitant with Loki, but at the same time, he he brought him in for a reason, right? Like, he does have uh, a hope for him to maybe reinvent himself and maybe do better, uh, you know what I mean? Like, it, he's kind of the Thor in the situation, but he's actively listening, and I think what helps him is the fact that Loki obviously has his history with Thor. Loki doesn't really have a history with Mobius, so it's almost like, He's doing what Thor wish he could have done. Like he's he's breaking through in a, in a much quicker manner because of the fact that he's not connected to Odin. He's not connected to Thor. He's not connected to Asgard. He's literally just a person who sees through Loki's facade, and he just wants Loki to better himself. And you know what? Like he he loses nothing if not just being wrong uh, if Loki chooses not to. So I think it's I think it's a, it's a, it's it's interesting because they they tug and pull at each other uh, and an interesting dynamic, but it works so flawlessly. Uh, and, you know, again, Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston have such great chemistry with each other. So it's fun to see them play off of each other. Jin and Wanda just having these conversations and this, these moments of calm amongst, you know, in, in the middle of a storm that's brewing. Um, it just feels so earned. And I think that, well, yes, Marvel succeeds within the two hour plus feature length film. Uh, within the Disney Plus series, we're able to, you know, just have those moments of calm and, and you know, appreciate those set those action set pieces when they do pop up um in a different way because you know when you see when you go to see like black widow you know you know what you're getting in terms of this is going to be like a spy thriller espionage type of thing with black widow in the mix so there's going to be love action um uh, and what really builds up to that is you know the character moments we've had with nat leading up to it and you know what we're going to experience with her in that film um but when you have these characters, you know, like like Loki, sure, he has his moments uh, throughout the films, but to have him just sit down and have him have a conversation with somebody, that's when you appreciate them in a different light, and that's when Marvel starts to do wonderful things with uncovering these layers. So that's where I, I, I really do appreciate the Disney Plus shows, and I appreciate what uh, Marvel, when Marvel does take the chance to do it. They have their moments in the, in the, in the movies, and obviously, and obviously even more so now in the TV shows, where they're just able to sit back and be like, let's just let these characters have these pieces of dialogue 
so that way when we get to that action set piece eventually um, the the payoff for that is much grander because you know you you legitimately care about these characters and I think while we do care about Loki we do have to care about Mobius and I think this conversation does a good job of that I also I also think this conversation goes pretty deep in terms of you know the topics that they kind of go into you know free will belief uh, you know because Loki Loki's whole thing has been like okay so. It, we we stripped him down in episode one, right? Like his whole identity, the whole chase for the Tesseract, his whole chase for power. And what Mobius even asked him in episode one, what's what's next? What's What do you do when you have your power? What do you do when you have, you know, free, like, you know, you're reigning over Midgard. What do you do? Uh, to which I think Loki never thought of those questions because I think to Loki it's always been about the chase. And then I think to have that swept under the rug, uh, sorry, to have that rug just pulled out from under you uh, and also be told, hey, it's all about the chase for you, but guess what? That chase is essentially meaningless because you're always going to end up in X. Um, and I think, you know, to, when you when you highlighted that in episode one, it's literally a, a whole identity crisis in, you know, the universe and time itself. So it is interesting to see that Loki was kind of just like, um, you know what I mean? And he's also, just to, to, to have that moment with Loki where he where he is like, you know, I don't want to say a, a shell of himself, but he he is essentially stripped stripped away of that confidence and that you know like that just smugness that he normally kind of carries with him because he feels like he is all all knowing and whatnot. He is not, and I think that that was very humbling and interesting to see that shade of Loki. But I think Loki coming back and also being like, well, you know what? Hold on, like you stripped me down. Let me just I'm not. And Loki does it in a in a far nicer way than i'm i'm kind of uh you know describing it to be but he does basically the, poke those questions you know as far as like you believe in the tva you believe in the timekeepers you believe in all like he's just like what is the end game like he almost asking him the same question like if you're able to poke holes in, in me uh, i'm gonna poke a little bit of holes in you like but mobius is just on phase mobius believes in it mobius says hey like you know what we all come from chaos uh, and sometimes chaos is a good thing. The chaos is what gave me, you know, the TVA, which gave what gave me my glorious purpose. He says, uh, kind of teasing at Loki's expense. And then uh, they also go into, you know, how hey, like, what happens after? What happens after the TVA does their job when the sacred timeline is secure and they can call it a day? What happens? To which you know, Moby says, you know, peace and order, peace and order. That's the that's at the end of it, and. Loki Loki doesn't, you know, mock him, doesn't do anything like that, but he just basically says, like, peace and order. Like, he basically re just, you know, re-asks the question, obviously. Uh, and and it, to see Mobius just be like, yeah, peace and order, you know? Like, that's that's what I believe in. That's what I that's what this is all about. It's incredibly interesting because I think that, you know, one, it's almost religious in, in the way that they kind of go about uh, talking about the TVA where it's just like, it's kind of like an afterlife, you know, except for in the afterlife where, you know, you'd, you know, have a second life, I guess, where everyone's in peace. This would just be like, hey, everything can end within peace and order. Um, so it's, it's interesting. And, you know, how Loki kind of asks him and kind of uh, questions uh, those beliefs and kind of questions how, you know, like a lot of people seemingly have. It seems like no one's actually met the timekeepers or have made contact with the timekeepers. Uh, they're all pretty vague about it. But from what Loki from what I, from what Loki is gathering, I think he's also understanding, like, oh, I don't think anyone's actually made contact with these people, um, which is why I think so, so many of them are like, oh, you mean, yeah, you, you can't have a, a table with the, with the timekeepers, you can't, you know, do this with the timekeepers, and you can't see that, because I think 
he is slowly gathering or uncovering that like they've never actually encountered the timekeepers themselves either. So it's a it's a it's a tall order to ask when they themselves haven't accomplished that. <clears throat> they do talk about uh, how Loki does bring up this great thing though, where he says, you know, not everyone who who said who is good is really good, and not everyone who is bad is really bad. And I just laugh because I was like, this is this is this is basically the MCU uh, in a nice boat because. <clears throat> Not saying he said it. He not everyone who's good is good, and not everyone bad is bad. You know, I Steve Rogers is a good anecdote. He did some questionable things in Civil War. No, I, I know some people were gonna be like, "Oh, he's bringing up his gripe with Steve." I love Captain America. I love Steve Rogers as a character, but yes, I do have a gripe with what he did in you know, at the end of Endgame and how the TVA never said that that wasn't a bad thing. I don't know, but in Civil War, he did hide the death of Tony Stark's parents from him selfishly thinking that it would protect uh tony but it was really just protecting himself and, and you know and hiding that you know kind of fear of how people would react with with bucky doing that uh bucky is another great example of this you know tony stark is a great example of this like it's not saying that they're horrible people right it's just saying that you know they have their faults uh and then i think of the villains the same thing you know we talk about <laughs> some people look at thanos and some people like where thanos or sorry understood where thanos was coming from uh, Killmonger was another one. Uh, it's just an interesting where he said it. I was just like, yeah. And it was also, it's also the whole basis of, of Loki, really. You know, not everyone who's good is good. Not everyone who's bad is bad. Loki, Loki's really, really towing the line between the two of them. Um, so it just made me laugh because I was just like, huh, that's a, that's a great way to kind of just encapsulate the MCUs and its characters, I think, you know, as a whole. Um, and I think it's foreshadowing. Uh, for what's to come with the characters that we've been introduced to uh, and the characters that we will probably continue to be introduced to in the next, what, we have four episodes left? That's crazy. But we do have a season two. It hasn't been confirmed by Marvel, but it, ha it has been confirmed by other trades such as Variety and uh, and uh, Deadline and whatnot. And those are trust trustworthy sources. So I know we're going to get it at some point in time. Anyways, they have a conversation about that to which... It gets to the point where Mobius makes the jump to, uh, uh, sorry, where Loki said that as a kid, and Mobius makes the connection kid, kid, and he thinks about the candy that, you know, from the little girl from the cathedral, where, you know, the first, I don't, don't want to say the first, but I guess it's, I, I think it would have been the sixth at the time attack from the, on the TVA, uh, where he was at the crime scene, met the little girl at the cathedral, and she had a candy, and it was kablooey, and he took it. And he basically makes the connection like, oh, maybe this variant Loki is hiding within that specific apocalyptic time zone. You know what I mean? Like where they were selling only this kind of candy. Um, and they so and so they have this funny moment where, you know, Moby says, hey, let's have a competition. Let's have a bet. Let's bet for pride. Uh, which, you know, in this case, Mobius, we're slowly learning. He, he has that competitive edge and he knows how to pull out, the you know, that side of Loki. But also that he... Mobius is, he, he's probably the, the one of the more notable and trustworthy people in the TVA, but at the same time, you can see why he would get along with Loki, but you could also see why the TVA would be worried why he would get along with Loki, because he does have that streak within him as, his, as well. Um, but yeah, they, they bet for pride, and they basically have a competition in terms of like, hey, who can track down the apocalyptic event that would have had this candy uh, being sold during this time period? Um and it's just really funny because you know they haven't, Loki finds it. Uh, it. It is funny before though because he's like, oh no, it's not the, it's not the, you know, it's not this 
apocalyptic event. It's not this plague. It's not this, you know, uh, uh, like, you know, tsunami. It's just everyone was on Twitter was just making me laugh because they're like, damn, 2049, 2050. We don't catch a break after, you know, 2020. And I was just made me laugh because, yeah, it seems like we're uh, even in the fictional world. We're taking the hits. Um, we cut to a scene where Lo where Mobius is with uh, the judge. I always forget uh, Gugumbathu Ross' character's name. Uh, they have a conversation about trusting Loki and finally tracking down the variant. Uh, she basically says, hey, this is your last chance with him. You know, if something goes south, it is what it is. They head to Alabama 2050 for Rock's Cart, which is essentially like a superstore, uh, like a grocery market or whatever. Um, when they get there, it is funny because we do have a scene where Loki basically uses his magic uh, to dry his clothes. It's funny because when I saw that that scene... In particular, I saw it in the TV spots and in the trailers. And I remember thinking, oh, I wonder if this is a misdirect. Like, this, this is where Loki, like, shapeshifts. Because we haven't really seen a lot of Loki shapeshifting. We've seen it a couple times in the movies and, and whatnot. But not it's not, a, it's not a power that we've seen a lot of. So I thought, oh, maybe he's going to shapeshift um, into something else. And they just hit it in the Disney Plus uh, trailers. Because I remember it was just literally green going from top to bottom. And that was it. Uh, but in, in the context of this episode, it makes a lot more sense because it's the same scene, but it's literally him drying his clothes. That's it. They're, they come in. There's a heavy storm coming. You know, something horrendous is going to happen to this building and these people. But Loki comes in. They're all drenched. And Loki just dries his clothes. And he even, you know, Hunter B-15 looks at him and is like, what the heck was that? He says, you know, I'm just drying my clothes. I don't want to make all these squeaky sounds like the rest of you will when you're walking about in this uh, in this building and in, in this environment. So I thought that was funny. Uh, I was expecting a misdirect. Eh, it wasn't that. It was something as simple as just drawing his clothes. Hunter B-15, though, does insist that they split up, but Loki has to go with her, to which Mobius disagrees, but Loki says it'll be okay. Um, yeah, this is, again, this is where Loki brought it up earlier. You know, if, you, if you're, you're so naive... And that you you look at the people you mis you underest uh, misunderestimate the people uh, that you don't you know take into consideration for actually having an ability to you know to see their full potential. Uh, those people will devour you, and look that's what I think Loki was alluding to. Not just as, in general as the TVA, but Hunter B fifteen specifically, because yes, like I've said and and like I've noted, it is understandable for her to be. Um, skeptical about Loki, and it's also understandable for Loki to be kind of, you know, uh, questionable of her being like, yes, you're just you're just a TVA agent, like, you know what I mean? Like, yes, the TVA is all powerful, but if we step outside of the TVA, I, you know, he's proven that he can, uh, he can take take care of himself and take care of her, um, even without the use of his powers. With the use of his powers, different story, and and not saying that he would, but it's this whole thing where she thinks that she got that she has this like you know, ability to basically, I don't want to say body him, but uh, underestimate him and feels like, I guess, she can just take advantage real quickly. Where I think he was kind of alluding to, like, listen, you need to stop. Like, we need to be on the same page here. Whereas Mobius, you know, Mobius is a little bit of a, a trusting soul. He, he trusts Loki already, and he wants to work with Loki, and he wants to be the one who, you know, basically goes on his path with Loki. Um... But yeah, I love that Loki says, hey, it's okay. Hey, listen, we're going to split up. We'll go our different ways. And honestly, even if Mobius had gone with, with Loki, I don't think much would have changed, uh, especially because of the conversations that happen after. But 
it is what it is. 115 still is still skeptical. I'm sure at some point in time, they will have a moment where you know she has a, a, a coming to mo a coming to realization moment where she you know under finally stops underestimating Loki or finally sees Loki's perspective or can finally have a found appreciation for him. Uh, but at the same time, I understand why she's skeptical of him uh, at all. We see a shadow looking at them through the surveillance with a timer of 20 minutes as they are having this conversation, though. So it does, you know, give you... I love it. The one, it alludes to an incoming danger. Two, when they put a timer, it gives you that added suspense, right? It gives you that added, like, okay, they have 20 minutes to either get in, get out what they need, or they're, you know, they're screwed. Or something is going to go down. So it does add that heightened effect to it <clears throat> without it being in your face, which, which I do appreciate. Um, when they do split up, Hunter B-15 quickly gets taken control of by Variant Loki, uh, to which, uh, Loki and Variant Loki have a conversation, uh, you know, it's, again, it's really funny, because, like, like, we alluded earlier, Loki basically, in, in the episode where Loki said, hey, you know what, they want me, because uh, they want to team up, and that's not what I want, Loki basically assumes the same thing, uh, he also offers, you know, control of the TVA in return, like, he basically wants to flip the script, and Variant Loki is basically laughing at him, being like, "This, that's that's literally not at all what I want. Uh, literally none of this is about you. And then we cut, and we find that Mobius and his team have found Hunter C-20. And she's all over the place. She's scatterbrained. She is essentially uh, a villain in Gotham who just encountered Batman. Like, she is fucked up. It is not. She's not in a good place. She's going to need some therapy. She, for sure, for sure, has some PTSD and trust issues uh, down the pipeline. Uh, Loki and Variant Loki's conversation reveals that Variant Loki has larger plans at play. Like I said, uh, Loki quickly finds out, like, oh, hey, you have reset charges all around the building. Is that your plan to just to blow everything to shit? Uh, we cut back to Hunter C-20 where she confesses, hey, uh, I, I told them where to, how, how to find the timekeepers, etc. Again, I don't know how accurate that is in terms of finding the, the timekeepers. I think it was more about finding certain things that the TVA would deem, you know, valuable in terms of the timekeepers. Cause I really don't know if the TVA has encountered the timekeepers. You know what I mean? They have Miss Minutes and they have their, uh, their nice PowerPoint presentation and videos, but I really don't, I really don't know if any of them have actually encountered the, the timekeepers just because everyone when asked head on, like, where can I see them? Or where, you know, what are they up to, etc. Everyone's pretty dodgy about it. So I just don't know. I just don't know if they can be found uh, or if they're even real. Um, Loki gets into a fight with Varian Loki after finding the reset charge. Um, it is funny, though, because we do see, you know, we go from Hunter B-15 to Randy, who is basically one of the store workers at at, uh, at uh, Rockscart. And then we go from Randy to this, you know, this, 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 more, this much larger gentleman who basically bodies Loki uh, in a very... <laughs> crude matter um and you know Loki even says hey i miss randy uh and it's funny because variant loki throughout this larger gentleman's body even says you know what you talk too much i i hate this it, it basically it basically shows hey like they are very different uh oh and to and to further establish that i almost skipped over the fact that while variant loki was over taking randy's um uh, randy's body uh, as a host loki does look at, you know, Varian Loki and say, you know, hey, Loki, let's quickly cut off, quickly told, hey, don't call me that. I don't like that. You can call me Randy. Playfully, you know, making fun of the fact that they are inhibiting uh, 
uh, Randy's body. But I think it's noted that Variant Loki, not wanting to go by Loki as a title, shows that, you know, how far they've diverted. How, you know, we don't know what this Variant Loki has experienced in their timeline, what the, you know, what their motives are. Or anything of the sort. I also think a lot of people have been looking at, you know, like, is this the, the way that Marvel introduces the Enchantress? Uh, who's another popular Marvel character. Where I go with that is the Enchantress is a great character. I love her. Um, but I don't know. A part of me would be disappointed because I think the Enchantress should be her own standalone character. Uh, but at the same time, if Marvel has no you know, way of incorporating her because we did have Scourge the Executioner in Ragnarok and she's and he's typically her, you know, her right hand. Um, if they had if they have no way of incorporating her uh, and they have no intention of really incorporating the true, you know, Amora and they want to go about it this way, I wouldn't be opposed to it if it's done right. You know what I mean? Like we're only in the early stages so we don't know the full extent uh, but I wouldn't be opposed to it if it's done right. Like if we're given the right uh, story if we're if the payoff is there i wouldn't be opposed to it if it's just like listen that is not me i am something different i am the enchantress like i would be okay with that if it feels right if i feel like the payoff is there obviously it's gonna be it's gonna be different per person there's gonna be someone who's a probably diehard enchantress fan who's not gonna accept it at all and there's gonna be some who are like i don't know who enchantress is but i'll take this uh for what it is at face value um but yeah I, i've seen that running around and i i uh it just made me think where i was like it could be um, I just also think that it could be a very jaded version of Loki and that it just further establishes this theme we're going out to, you know what I mean? WandaVision was all about guilt and grief and, sorry, uh, it was about grieving and, and mourning of loss and, and, you know, kind of more mortality. And then we go into Falcon and Winter Soldier and that's a lot more in, into our social issues in terms of, you know, race and, uh, you know responsibility like there's just a lot that happens within these disney plus series and i think right now we're, it's still early to say but i think with loki it's also a sense of identity and purpose and you know self-reflection like every theme so f thus far from the disney plus shows have been incredibly deep so i wouldn't be surprised um if they go that route as well where it's just like listen it's just a very jaded version of loki and the two lokis will essentially help each other uh you know heal in one way or another uh and reinvent themselves in a way where you know it's uh, it's beneficial uh, uh, not only to themselves but you know finally finally doing what thor and mobius and every other character who's kind of encountered loki throughout the mcu has always kind of said to them you know what i mean it's always been about hey if you don't reinvent yourself if you'd never change it's kind of sad like the whole thing about life is changing um and, you know, I, th I think when Thor said it in Ragnarok, a lot of people were surprised because he, he was genuine about it. And if anyone's changed a lot, it's Thor. So why not Loki as well? Um, the reset charges. Uh, sorry, uh, just looking at my notes here. Loki does finally see Lady Loki. Um, she's, I love this scene, by the way. They're like in the, they're in the dark, just bunch of red lights illuminating them reminded me of star wars when you when you had the darth vader scene i was just like ooh, this is this is crisp lady loki reveal with sophia di martino which i knew because like i said we haven't seen her in any of the promotional campaign stuff we haven't seen her in any of the interviews but yet she was you know on set her costume is very similar to loki's um from the first thor movie uh she has the crown she has uh like you know the helmet with the horns uh 
And she also looks somewhat similar to Tom Hiddleston. Yes, she has the blonde hair, but like I said to in the last episode, guys, I would not be surprised if, one, this is them trying to incorporate uh, Enchantress, and maybe that's why. But I also wouldn't be surprised if Lady Loki uh, in the MCU is kind of molded after Thor and Frigga. Because when you look at Loki side by side with Odin, Frigga, Thor, uh, you know, I guess you could put Hela in there as well. But Loki and Hela are kind of like, you know, the sheep, the sheep out of the, the black sheep out of the herd because they look very different uh, to the, the golden family. But I think if you have, if you were to put like Lady Loki beside Thor and Frigga and Odin, you'd be like, oh, that's a, the, the, yeah, that, that looks like a, a whole, you know, ideal, idealistic kind of family uh, picture. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case where Lady Loki kind of um, maybe maybe unintentionally uh, you know created that kind of uh, illusion to kind of match that. But that's that's where my mind is anyways. It could be completely off. But uh, we have that reveal. She basically waves at him, tells him, hey, this isn't about you, walks through a portal uh, to which we have the reset charges go off. Mobius is trying to hunt down Loki after 100B15 basically said, I lost him. I don't know where he went. Um, they're all looking for him. They find him. They're asking, Mobius is begging him, don't go, don't go, stop. Loki walks through the portal. And that is end scene. That is end of episode. That is end of episode two. So a lot happened. Uh, we had a lot more reveals. We had a lot more happening in terms of, you know, the story. I think we're slowly uncovering more and more layers to Loki, more layers of the TVA, uh, a little bit more of Mobius. I like it. I like it. I think this series has been great. I think this series, uh, one of the reasons it's been Disney Plus's best debuting show thus far is because of the fact that, one, people love Loki, but two, it's... I thought, you know, Falcon Winter Soldier was supposed to debut first, because it was supposed to be kind of like that Captain America tone, right? Like almost similar in tone to the movies that you that you're used to as as an as an MCU casual fan, uh, and then WandaVision was supposed to go after. And I think that what's interesting is that we got WandaVision first, and a lot of people were confused by <laughs> the nature of WandaVision's uh, pace and overall trajectory because. A lot of people didn't really get fully invested in WandaVision until I want to say episode four or five. I was, I, I and many other people were all for it as we were like doing our detective work. And a lot of us were very wrong. Um, but we were very invested in the story of WandaVision. And I think what's funny enough, what happened is when WandaVision came to an end, we were all looking at the cosmic side. We were all looking at the magic. And we were all like, how do we go from this to Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Which isn't saying the Falcon and Winter Soldier is a bad show or a lesser show. Because it has a lot of great moments. I do think that it's not my favorite of the three thus far. And that it could have been better in certain ways. Uh, but it is funny because I do think it was kind of just being like, oh, okay, we're going to Falcon Winter Soldier. Uh, so it's kind of just like that. It's kind of, if it was like a pie chart or sorry, like, like a graph, I do think you would see that slight dip when it comes to Falcon Winter Soldier and that increase because it's kind of picking up what we were kind of getting invested to with, with WandaVision where it's just like, we're going outside, uh, you know, the realm of, of our comfort zone with the MCU. We are learning a lot more. We, you know, with WandaVision, we're talking about the multiverse. We're looking at different realities. And with Loki, we're basically further establishing and further exploring that. But we're also talking about time and the purpose of, of every character and, 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 you know, and what would happen if you were to take one out. Like, it's just this whole thing. 
so I think it's complemented itself really well uh, and how they've kind of laid out these shows. I do feel bad for the next show because I, I do imagine it would probably have the same effect where people are like, more cosmic. I think it's going to be Miss Marvel that's next. I want, oh no, it's it's What If and then it's Miss Marvel. So What If will be a good buffer because uh, it's going to be it's going to be that animated uh uh, that animated series, which I think will have a lot of interesting, uh, you know, story beats that we can explore. But I think this is one of the reasons why it's um, it's debuted so strongly because people were like, damn, I was not expecting this. Um, and I'm all for this. Uh, I think it's a high time. It's high time that we, we, we venture into the cosmic side of the MCU because there's so much to explore. There's so much there. And also, I will not be surprised, guys. If we see King the Conqueror in here, and I think it's very evident that King the Conqueror is going to be the guy, the villain for Phase Four. Um, I don't know if we're going to have that big of a a build to him like we did with Thanos. I I'm, I wouldn't be opposed if we did or didn't, um, but I wouldn't be. I, I I just think it's inevitable. You know what I mean? Like with with everything that Endgame kind of set up. Uh, with you know Steve going out of time, Loki, WandaVision, Doctor Strange, and Spider Man No uh, Far From Home, like all these movies and everything that we've kind of gotten the pipeline for for Phase Four with the Eternals, uh, Shang Chi, uh, Fantastic Four may or may not make it within the next two years. Who knows? But I just yeah, I think it's just inevitable that King would be the guy. It, to me, I always thought that it should have ended with with. Uh, the end game end credit scene kind of being like because of the fact that it was so rooted with time uh, having there kind of be a ripple effect throughout time and space and then you just go far 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 deeper into the galaxy and then you would kind of have a kang reveal similar to the first avengers movie where you where you had that reveal with thanos but i think it's also poetic because if that's the case if we do get a kang reveal in the loki series whether it be at the very end where it's just like split second reveal because uh, we do know he's coming in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I think it'd be poetic as hell because Loki was the one to, who basically ushered in Thanos into the into the MCU. And to have Loki also usher in uh, Kang. Wow. Wow. I applaud you, Marvel. If that's the case, if we get a Kang reveal, Loki, damn. I mean, Mobius was right. Your purpose is essentially bringing in a lot of death, destruction, and chaos to others. But you get some cool baddies for it. Anyways, guys, that is my thoughts for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed my discussion. It was spoilerific. Um, I'm enjoying this series as is. I, I want to hear your thoughts. Tweet us at BlogBitchRepeat. Find us at BlogBitchRepeat on Instagram. You can also find us on the link tree where you can find where we stream on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, a bunch of other places. Just hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button. Give us a review. Let us know what we can do better. And until next time, bye-bye.